They've got like a hundred five-star football players on their defense. They have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Five-star recruits everywhere and they play really physical. Damn. I think Memphis played more mature than we did. I think that, uh, which I don't even know exactly what that means, but they're more advanced than we were. And then um, sometimes morale doesn't need to be boosted. Now you need to boost something, but it's not always morale that needs to be boosted. And between now and tomorrow, I'm going to figure out what it is that needs to be boosted. And whether I'm right or not, we're going to boost something. Well, you know, like I told him, I mean, you know, we're not satisfied by any stretch, but you can't ever apologize for a win. You know, you know we don't have to have the best players. We just have to have the best team. Our kids have bought into that. Listen, potential doesn't. Potential is the worst thing you can have. Cause I mean, you ain't done it. I hate the word potential. Somebody says you got a potential to have a good team. That drives me nuts. That means that means I'm not coaching right, and they're not playing right. Ooh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Mike Brenton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and we're back for another day of SEC action. Spring football in the air. We got news and notes from all across the league. We got a pro day, a little update here. We're going to talk some Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Tennessee. So let's get right on with the show. You know, one thing that has struck me so far, and fingers crossed it stays this way, at least uh, in terms from an injury standpoint, but it's been a really quiet spring in the SEC, which again is great news because you don't want to be losing guys, and that's Basically, the uh, the biggest storylines that come out are transfers and injuries these days. So, you know, you're getting a good sense of what's going on. I know everybody gets hyped about these competitions, but now that we got the transfer portal to deal with, let's take an example like Texas A&M. That's where we're going to start in College Station. Gigamagus. You know, in years past, you have a quarterback competition, and a lot of times you want to name that starter exiting the spring, going into the spring game. You have your guy, you settle on him, you build around that during the offseason, but you just don't have that luxury these days. And I would be stunned if uh, anywhere outside of maybe South Carolina, Spencer Rattler names a starting quarterback here in the SEC when I'm talking a program, specifically Texas A&M, because you don't want the battle between Haynes King and Max Johnson. You don't want that to be decided early and have quarterback depth be tested yet again like it was last season if you're Jimbo Fisher. So it's interesting. Jimbo met with the media here on Tuesday, asked about the quarterback competition, didn't really reveal a ton on Max Johnson or Haynes King, but interestingly, (laughs) he's basically expanding it. We're going three-man now here with uh, the freshman making his way up the depth chart here in College Station. So let's kick it over to Jimbo Fisher. I mean, I think both made, all three made plays. No, I say both, all three made plays. And all three got rotations with ones and twos in, in different groups. Uh, and what we did, uh, like I say, we started off, so I thought the first defense was really good, uh, which kept us off the field. And I thought, is that when his Haynes started really picking it up, started making plays later in that. I thought Max came out and did a really nice job, had some plays. Uh, again, we had a couple mistakes here and there on reads and things. We got to get better. And I thought Connor for his first scrimmage was excellent. I thought he made a lot of plays. And actually got some time with the ones and actually got time with two. So and I thought he handled both of those situations extremely well. And our two-minute situations, I mean, all guys, that we worked two-minute, we worked red zone, we worked goal line, we worked all kind of things across the board, different situations in the game, a lot of third down stuff. 
and I thought he handled that very well too. So both, all three guys had some had some really bright moments and some things they got to work on to stay more consistent and, and then allow us not to get behind the eight ball. So you see what he did there. I mean, hell, he's praising the fr freshman Connor Wagman here. Hell, maybe he is that good. Maybe he will win the starting job. It seems like that is going to be a tough, tough ask, though, for a true freshman given what we know about Jimbo Fisher and the complexity of his system and, you know, just – I don't know any true freshmen that come in here and start. Even Zach Calzada last season, I believe it was his third on campus last season. And, and at times, it, you know, it looked like he was still putting it together. I know he had a lack of experience, but, of course, you're going to be dealing with that with the true freshmen as well. So, you know, I've I I taken these comments with a grain of salt, but I'm just reading into this, like I said, that there is not going to be anything decided in College Station until training camp. And, you know, you just hope it doesn't go into the season because that can be a recipe for disaster with all the high hopes they got in College Station. But that was far and away not the best comment we had from Jimbo here on Tuesday. I just think this was fascinating. And I get a sense that, uh, you know, he really likes the roster he has, loves the talent. How could you not? I was arguing with people about this uh, the other day on Twitter. Texas A&M does have the talent profile to go to the college football playoff. That's why you're you're going to start seeing, if you haven't already, Texas A&M preseason top 10, Texas A&M possibly preseason top 5, and it, a ton of that has to do with the talent on the roster combined with uh, Jimbo Fisher's pedigree of being a national championship coach and damn near took the Aggies to the college football playoff two seasons ago. But listen to Jimbo's comments here on leadership somewhat uh, lacking right now in College Station. That's what spring and the offseason is for, us, developing those leaders, still searching for them at Texas A&M. And how bad do these players really want it? you got to have that want to. And, you know, it seems almost a, a little Nick Saban-esque here. Message to his players through the media. Are you seeing uh, that leadership void? Not like I want. Honestly, not like I want. We need more leadership. We need more leadership, and it doesn't always have to come from seniors, and I think that's something that we need to enhance on. I think they need to start putting their impression on the team a little bit more and what we do, and not with, again, with enough consistency in our leadership. I think it's not that they're bad, but I think we need more, and I think we need more, more assertive-type guys in leadership in what we're trying to do and where we're at. Everything. This game is about pushing through. That, that's what you want. You want to make it hard. You want practice to be challenging. You want it to be tough. You want it to be demanding. This is what you find out. And, and listen, talent goes out the window. At the end of the day, it's how much you want, how hard you can compete. Look, look at the Final Four. Duke's been beat twice in the last five minutes of the game. So you know what? We ain't losing. And, and raised their level of play and just got down and competed, and their practice habits come straight out. North Carolina did it uh, two weeks ago, not the, against St. Peter's, but the game before. All those teams, uh, Kansas was down at halftime. I mean, you just watch the basketball, and you watch how guys push through and how those really good teams can, can elevate themselves. And they don't elevate themselves. They just focus themselves and play up to what their capabilities are and what their practice habits are, in my opinion. I, those guys just jump. I haven't seen as much basketball as I want, but those three games I saw happen to see those games. And, man, it would just impress me, not that they won, but how they won, how they refused to lose. And, and I think that's a credit to their culture and, and, and the coaching and the things they got. Oh, yeah, we got plenty of depth. We got plenty of depth. Got to get guys to keep keep going and, and making plays. We got plenty of depth. There's plenty of guys out there can make plays, can run and do it. Just need to do it with a consistent basis. So based on these comments here, 
Looks like Jimbo's uh, tired of these uh, eight and four jokes we're seeing constantly <laughs> all day, every day when we mention the Aggie. So uh, things have got to get better here in a hurry. The talent's not going to be an issue. Your quarterback room loaded. Hell, Jimbo's saying we're going basically three deep now. No excuses in that department. And he was asked about uh, DeMond Demas. Would not get into that. Demas is uh, in the portal if you missed it. We talked about that on the last episode, but just something to be aware of. Now, next, let's kick it on down to uh, Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where Arkansas is back on the field after a long spring break. Cut their spring camp in half here. And fascinating revelation here. Something that uh, you know I hit on with John Neighbors when he was on the show about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Go back and check that out if you missed it. A preview of the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks spring camp and the revelation according to uh, Sam Pittman he was on ESPN Arkansas hit the line here on Tuesday Malik Hornsby getting some looks at receiver which I know a lot of fans are excited about but to me this goes back to the fact that we've just got to get all the playmakers on the field we can to surround KJ Jefferson with talent the receiver position is a question mark for the Razorbacks I know everybody's Hyped up about Jadon Hazelwood, but I gotta be honest. When I went back and studied all Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma to get a sense of uh, the talent that South Carolina's getting in their new quarterback, you know, I figured I'd kill two birds with one stone, get a look at Hazelwood. I'm already, you know, there was somebody I can't remember who, but someone has got Hazelwood as a preseason All-American, and just based on what I've seen, that's ridiculous. Uh, I would say that. At Oklahoma, he was about the third or fourth best receiver. Now, he was injured a lot. He was banged up. And even here in Fayetteville, he's practicing with a non-contact jersey this week. So, you know, they're they're doing what they can to keep him healthy because they are certainly going to need him. But I say all, this, say all that to say this. I'm not trying to trash him. I'm just saying set your expectations. If you think he's another Traylon Burks, you're kidding yourself because from the day Traylon Burks stepped on campus there in Fayetteville, he was – Arguably the top player on the team. He's going to be a first-round pick here in a couple weeks. Jadon Hazelwood is, is not that. So we've got to get as many playmakers on the field. Great point by Sam Pittman here. You saw what the offense looked like without Traylon Burks in the bowl game, and it was not uh, pretty for the passing game. So let's kick it over to Sam Pittman, talking about the, uh, the receiver depth there in Fayetteville and getting Malik Hornsby some – extra looks at uh, other positions in spring camp. I think think the biggest question mark, at least offensively, uh, would be the wide receiver room. What are we going to do? I think we have some talent there. I think we have some young talent there. But if you look at our bowl game, uh, without Burks, uh, we didn't have a lot of productivity in the throwing game. Now, part of it was second half. We ran for around 300 yards. I, I get that. But but we, we've got to develop that room. Uh, I still think we need to go in the portal to get another guy. But I, I think uh, Hazelwood will, will be probably the leader of that group. The country, take your pick. The most popular man on the team is the backup quarterback. And people are going to know uh, kind of what uh, kind of role is Malik Hornsby going to play this year? What are you all going to try to uh, – is it going to be different packages? Or, you know, what, what's the plan for him going forward? Well, I think certainly we, we've got to give him an opportunity to win the job, which which we're doing that. Uh, the second thing, 
Uh, we kind of almost uh, restructured our practice so Malik can, you know, get some wide receiver type looks, maybe some uh, him and KJ on the field at the same time, whether he be out wide or whether he's in the box. Uh, I think he has too much talent to be on the sideline. Now, with that said, I, I think he needs every two rep that he can get at quarterback. So we kind of restructured it where uh, it's not ones, twos, threes, it's one, three, twos. Mm. So we can get him some wide receiver type look, him and KJ on the field at the same time with the ones, then have the rest with the threes out of practice, and then him take all the twos at quarterback. So we cannot afford not to look at him because of his speed and his athletic ability. Uh, to get the ball in his hands and be sitting on the sideline just in case he doesn't win the quarterback job. We've got to be prepared to get him and help so he can help us win games. Now, speaking of Traylon Burks, of course, Arkansas fans, you remember this well, but, you know, last season, credit Kendall Browse, he found a lot of unique ways to get Burks the ball, and that included a lot of sweeps, a lot of, even at times, coming out of the backfield, a la Debo Samuel that we're seeing. Now you, you're see, you're understanding why you're seeing these uh, Traylon Burks-Debo comparisons among draft analysts. But, you know, I think Malik Hornsby can come in and fill in some of those responsibilities that we had Burks doing with the, with the sweeps, with the running out of the backfield. And just, I mean, he may arguably be the fastest player on Arkansas's roster. And it would be silly to just have that guy on the bench the entire time and looking at it this way. I mean, I know Sam Pittman's not out here saying this, but if you get Malik Horns, Hornsby and KJ Jefferson on the field at the same time, there's nothing to say that KJ Jefferson can't be the receiver on a, on a reverse or a trick play. I mean, hell I can imagine KJ Jefferson being, uh, you know, in a, in a unique situation beating, in the back of the end zone is almost like a tight end type prospect. He's got the build to do that. So this would just add flexibility, something else for SEC defenses to fixate on and have to prepare for. So I love to see this, but you know, on the flip side here, we also got to consider the fact that, you know, if we got our backup quarterback taking reps at receiver, that doesn't say that doesn't give me a ton of confidence that uh, the coaching staff is completely satisfied with what the team's got to work with the receiver. And hell, we just had Sam Pittman here saying we're going to have to utilize the transfer portal to uh, add some depth to that position group. So just something to keep in mind here as uh, we're a couple weeks away from the Arkans the conclusion of uh, Arkansas Spring. All right, next, let's kick it on down to Oxford. Auditorio, miss. Again, I mean, hell, anytime Lane Kiffin's talking, he's talking NIL, he's talking transfer portal. This edition is all about the transfer portal and how they're uh, utilizing it down there in Oxford to reload from last season's 10-win campaign there. Of course, the best regular season in school history. But how interesting... This is one of the biggest mysteries to me in the SEC this year is how a program can possibly do this and rebuild the roster basically almost exclusively through the transfer portal. This truly is uh, you know, an NFL-style free agency, and Kiffin's holding nothing back here. They're basically using spring practice to evaluate the roster 
to understand where they need to attack next in the transfer portal. So there's going to be more transfers to come here in Oxford. Let's get over to Lane Kiffin. I just think the portal guys, you know, are more, it's not a hit and miss as a high school guy because you're seeing them play college football. So, um, you know, those guys, not to just focus on them, but they have looked really good. And, you know, that, you know, we didn't really take a lot of guys necessarily that were at a major place but not playing, you know, that left just because they were, happy, were unhappy because they were sitting on the bench. And then that's more of a wild card because you're getting them and you really haven't seen film. You know, maybe they just sat out and redshirted or barely played. Most of these guys played. So, um, you know, it's, you know that, that, that's been good because it kind of the analytics of it. You know, as you look at it, you're saying, okay, well, here's, here's these guys, and they all look like they can help us, you know, versus when you get your high school guys, you know, the first week or two, you know, you see some guys say, oh, those guys can help us, and some guys that are probably, you know, a ways away. I don't know. I know I equate things to professional sports a lot or the NFL because that's really what we are now in all areas, it's professional sports. So um, to me, it's no different than having mini camps, looking at everybody, and then you have a few guys that you see right before training camp, you know, that are still free agents out there, that usually veteran guys that NFL said, okay, well, we're worried about this spot, you know, and so we go and sign somebody up there, so definitely. Not to ask for specifics, but has that happened yet at all? In your mind, we probably need somebody here as opposed to winning? Yeah, I mean, I, I do that every day, but I try to slow up and wait for all the practices, you know, because, um, you know, that that's better to have more input and not try to fix problems right now. And so just try to be patient with that. Hey, so credit my man Jake Wimberly. If you missed it, go back on the last episode. But this is exactly what he's talking about. It's much easier to evaluate these guys in the portal. You got college film on them than even it is high school and uh, junior college players. So, you know, Jake knows what he's talking about. That's why he's on the show. And one of the guys that uh, Ole Miss fans need to know now, if they don't already, the Southern Cal transfer tight end, Michael Trigg, one season at Southern Cal, only played in four games, but had seven catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown, and just a physical specimen here. And I'm hearing great things about him, and that's use the S word here, special. Called Michael Trigg a special talent here. Big-time potential for uh, the new Ole Miss tight end. What have you seen from, uh, from Michael Trigg so far? He's obviously the worst current diamond of the USC when he was available. What does he kind of look like so far? I mean – I don't like telling this because everybody says this, but, you know, it's probably told him this forever. I mean, his, his potential is unbelievable. Um, you know, his catching radius and balance and body control is just they don't make many like that in the world, you know. And so um, he's done great things already. And it is crazy, like I told the staff, because we just kind of think of Portal as like free agency, like those are the older ones. This guy's in his second semester of college which is crazy to think about when you see his skill set. So we're obviously really excited about him. So anytime I hear comments like this from Kiffin, I just imagine him staying up all night trying to figure unique ways to get these players that he calls special talents, ways to get them the football. He's like a damn mad scientist up there. So I'm very intrigued to see what the Rebels have in store for Michael Trigg 
next fall. And again, this is, like I said, this just makes Ole Miss one of the biggest wild cards in the SEC because you just, you don't know how they're going to roll out, what they're going to look like. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I love surprises. So, all right, last team we're going to hit on here. Let's jump on down to Rocky Top. It's been well documented, the turnaround Josh Heupel and his staff have already done on Rocky Top. Going to a bowl game. Now you're getting a five-star quarterback committed. Just had a really solid recruiting class. Trying to build on that. Trying to build a top 10, top 5 class on top of that. But, you know, that's having such an eye on the future. You can't forget the guys that laid the foundation. Because, you know, given the transfer portal era, so many guys could... As soon as there's a coaching change, what do you, what happens? They jump in the portal, look for greener pastures, and you know a number of upperclassmen there at Tennessee. You, you got to remember, hell, I, I'm sitting here acting like uh, it didn't happen. Tennessee was just ravaged by guys jumping in the portal after Pruitt got fired, and and a lot of these high profile guys. Hell, we got some in Alabama, Michigan State, Oklahoma, of course, all across the country. Power five teams were taking players from Tennessee's roster. But it was guys like Volus Jones Jr., Kenneth George, stuck it out, had room to grow, and now the pro day is upon Tennessee. Their pro day's, pro day's here on Wednesday. I just thought there's some interesting comments from Volus Jones Jr. on the development and how this coaching staff was able to elevate his game. And Kenneth George, who you remember a couple of years ago, I mean, he got arrested, suspended from the team, it was some pretty ugly allegations. I believe it was a an officer involved resisting arrest and some kind of assault. So he's managed to put that behind him, rebounded with a solid season here. So here's Valuse Jones Jr. and Kenneth George on you know what they learned and how Josh Heupel and his coaching staff helped them to play the best football of their career. Um, it helped me out a lot. You know, even with um, Coach Eckler allowed me to be a punt returner. It made uh, me increase my value uh, when it comes to being on the team because at the end of the day, um, they all say you got to go and take a grown man position. And, you know, that's what I'm prepared to do now uh, from this past year. And just like even with the coaching staff, like the positive energy, um, you know, being like around a real family, it gave you all the confidence, you know, you needed to perform well, that knowing that your brothers were behind you, um, everybody was happy for each other, even though we competed every day for a position. And the coaching staff so encouraging. And even if you did mess up, you know, they telling you it's fine. Like, forget about it. Like, next play. And so, man, a lot played into it with Coach Heupel um, coming in and also with the practices. You know, Coach Heupel practiced um, like NFL teams where during the season we don't wear full pads. And, you know, because he's all about – He's all about he want to be the fastest, freshest team on Saturdays. And I feel like that played a part of it as well when it came to um, dodging injuries and things like that. Because I feel like in this game, a lot of people got the talent, uh, a lot of people got the will and stuff, but injuries would definitely slow you down in this game. And the most important thing in this game is being um, available. And so, yeah, Coach Hypo helped, um, helped out major when it came to um, my mentality. Um, taking the field each day like a pro, uh, you know, taking every rap like a like a pro and always like preaching that and reminding um, us over and over. So 
um, this past season uh, with this coaching staff um, definitely played um, a big role when it comes to mentality, especially getting ready uh, for the next level. What's the biggest thing that you think the coaching staff, Coach Banks or Coach Eckler, has taught you that will translate into the NFL? Accountability, accountability for sure. Um, ever since Coach Hype, Coach Banks, Coach Martinez walked into the building, um, they were big on accountability and, you know, just doing everything right, even when people's not looking, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I, I made a couple mistakes when I was younger and stuff like that. We're not going to talk about that, but, I mean, just being accountable and, you know, being, being able to admit that I was wrong in certain situations and things like that. So just about them coming in, being big on accountability is going to last with me the rest of my life. But of course, you exceed expectations. What do the fans want? They want those ex the expectations rise immediately. And Knoxville's nowhere different. We're seven and six. That was great for last season, considering that uh, many people thought Tennessee about the sixth best team in the East. But hell, you you finished third in the uh, in the East again. It's going to be a disappointment to a lot of fans around. Big Orange Country, and Rodney Gardner is here to let you know, the touted defensive line coach, hey, we didn't come here to go 7-6. You come to Tennessee to win championships, SEC championships, national championships. I just thought, uh, you know, we put an eye towards the past, now an eye towards the future. Rodney Gardner, rest assured, is uh, working his, particularly his defensive line, whip them up and get them ready to play here this fall because they're going to be counted on to lead the way for this Tennessee defense. Coach, obviously with, you know, there's always things to work on and things to improve on, but with guys that are returning, that familiarity with the program, the system, uh, your expectations, how much have you seen that pay off in terms of technique here early on in practice? Well, well obviously all of us, you know, we have to uh, – you know, uh, reassess everything that we're doing. Uh, you know, our expectations, you know, obviously, we, you know, I think maybe we exceeded some expectations, you know, last year, but it's still not the expectations that we want, that we came to the University of Tennessee for, you know. So, so we've, got to, we've got to raise the bar, and we've got to continue to raise the bar. I don't think any of those young men, when they signed to come to, come to Tennessee, they signed to say they wanted to come and be a part of a 76 program. All right, they, they said they wanted to come and, and compete for championships, SEC championships, national championships. I know that's what I want. I know that's what Tennessee wants. I know that's what the expectation is. So we've got to continue to reassess everything that we're doing and make sure that we're continuing to move the needle in the right direction. All right, so hey, that's all we got on this episode of the show. Like uh, I've been saying all week, we got two more guests lined up for the show a South Carolina guest, a Texas A&M guest. So should be a great pair of shows to finish the week strong. But uh, as always, I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. If you made it this far and you wouldn't mind giving us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify, you can rate us now too if you're, a, if you're an Android person. We really, really would appreciate each and every one of those. And we send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. Uh, just send those reviews on over to that SEC podcast at gmail.com. But that's going to do it for today's show. We'll catch you on the next one.